Yeah, good morning you, it is Friday, the 8th of December 2023, and the time, as I press record on this podcast, is 06.39. Oh my God, it's early, I think Robin Williams once said, in a film called Good Morning Vietnam. I had to think there for a minute, yeah, lovely. Are you well this Friday? Welcome to the papers. We'll have a look at the front pages and some stories inside the papers in a moment. But just to mention, it being the 8th of December 2023, it is of course the 43rd anniversary of the assassination of John Lennon. And last evening on the Richie Allen Show, I interviewed David Whelan, a really interesting guy, David, a television producer and author. And he's just published a book called Mind Games, The Assassination of John Lennon. The book is excellent and it was a really interesting conversation. If you missed it... You can grab it, whichever podcast provider is the one you use, you'll, you'll find it there. So whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podchaser, all these mad podcast platforms, you will find The Richie Allen Show. So yeah, my conversation with David Whelan was interesting, I think, last night, to say the least. Okie doke, let's look at the front pages of today's newspapers. We'll start with the iPaper. It has a picture of a worried-looking Rishi Sunak, the UK Prime Minister. The headline reads, Wounded PM faces growing rebellion. Wounded. Wounded why? Well, because Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick quit the uh, front bench because of the immigration policy, because of the new treaty with Rwanda. The iPlayer the eye player, excuse me, the eye paper, the eye paper, says that Sunak faces a backlash from Tories who plan to vote against his Rwanda deal in the Commons next week. It's uh, almost like a confidence vote, they're saying. A lot of uh, right-wing Tories not happy because the, the plans, they say, don't go far enough and it's still possible for the European Court of Human Rights to overrule the UK government's asylum decisions, right? So they they say, we'll send you to Rwanda and that's where you'll go. But um, it, it's still possible for the European Court of Human Rights to scupper those plans. That has annoyed right-wing Tories. Okay, The Guardian. There is a photograph on The Guardian, nice photograph of Benjamin Zephaniah, who's a famous poet, of course. And uh, he's passed away, aged 65. So that's... Uh, on the front of the Guardian. Also, Sunak fights to hold Tories together over Rwanda plan. The Times, Rwanda plan risks failing top lawyers, warned MP. So the Times is going with um, warnings by lawyers that these new plans to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda are going to fall apart in court and that this is one big massive waste of time and money. Again, the, the this will be put to a vote in the Commons next week. It should be interesting. As the Daily Telegraph has a photograph of Charles, not my king, not your king, embracing Santa Claus. I have no idea where the photograph was taken, and it doesn't really matter. Ousting PM would be insanity, says Tory chairman. Now, the Conservative Party chairman is a guy called Richard Holden, He's been telling Tory rebels it would be crazy to get rid of Rishi Sunak. Insanity was the term he used before the next election. Um, The Prime Minister faces defeat from the Commons on this bill. Meanwhile, Charles is pictured embracing Father Christmas 
in a surprise visit to Ealing Broadway Shopping Centre. I bet you they were delighted to see the jug-eared twat at Ealing Broadway Shopping Centre. Daily Mirror is a photograph of Cher. Cher has had more plastic surgery than the entire cast of Dynasty and Dallas combined. I couldn't think of anything more modern than Dynasty or Dallas. But the headline is, Cher, don't write me off, even at 77. She's 77, is she? But that isn't the main story. The main story on the front page of the mirror is Tories are imploding again about the infighting in the Conservative Party because a lot of MPs think his Rwanda plan is, well, not to put too fine a point on it, a load of old bollocks. The... What paper is this? The Express, yes. The Daily Express. Rishi, I get it. Now back me to finish the job. The Metro goes with Ofsted's brutal inhumanity. Now that's about the inquest into the death of head teacher Ruth Perry, who took her own life while waiting for an Ofsted report to be published. The coroner, Heidi Connor, concluded that the inspection of her school contributed to her death and said at times it was rude and intimidating. That is the Metro, the Daily Mail minister, immoral to threaten jail over licence fee. Now, the Culture Secretary, Lucy Fraser, has said it's, quote, morally indefensible to jail people who do not pay their television licence fee, according to the Daily Mail. This comes a day after it was announced there will be a £10.50 increase in the annual fee. And um, Fraser said that an, in a review into how the BBC is funded will specifically look at the issue of criminal prosecution of the licence fee. Front page of The Sun, there's a photograph of Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, and there is a person sitting between them, but the person's face has been hidden. This is all about Schofield, who left ITV, or he, he left this morning. He had been having an affair with a staffer. Isn't that right? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. The Financial Times Labour enlists 10 city advisors to help cement the confidence of the business sector. Daily Star, excuse me, I'm a bit bunged up this morning. Airport smuggler is caught with half a zoo down his undies. <laughs> the headline is actually, is that a prairie dog and two otters in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me? It's ridiculous. Um, this is Bangkok Airport. A guy was trying to smuggle otters and a prairie dog and they were rescued from the guy, thank heavens, uh, for that. God knows what he was planning to do with them the Daily Star. So those are the front pages of Friday's papers. Again, the 8th of December 2023. This is the papers and I'm Richie Allen. We will look inside the Telegraph first. Here's a headline. Two arrested after Starmer is accused of facilitating genocide in Gaza. So Keir Starmer has had an interesting day yesterday. He travelled by train to Glasgow whereby he was confronted by pro-Palestinian activists who said that he was facilitating genocide in Gaza. Now, that's a bit unfair. While I utterly despise Rishi, excuse me, Keir Starmer, you see, they're all the same. And I despise him as much as I despise all the rest of them in all of the parties. It's unfair to say that he's facilitating genocide in Gaza. Because if the truth be told, 
even if the Labour Party was to call for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, the Israeli government wouldn't pay a blind bit of notice to it anyway. Right, okay. But he was confronted by people with with Palestinian flags. Uh, He did vote against the ceasefire in Gaza, of course, and um, many councillors, many Labour councillors from Muslim backgrounds um, have walked away from the Labour Party. The Telegraph saying the war, it isn't a war, of course. In a war, you've got to have two sides fighting one another. There isn't a war, it's genocide in Gaza, we know this. The Telegraph acknowledging that 16,500 Palestinians are dead and more than half of them are, are children. Wow. Okay. Of course, it was terrible when Starmer went on LBC radio last month and said that Israel does have the right to withhold power and water from Palestinian civilians. But he took a lot of abuse. One protester shouted, Keir Starmer, you are facilitating Israel's genocide in Gaza. Stop the massacre of over 7,000 babies. Stupid thing to say. The babies have been massacred. Nothing can be done now. Um, Obviously he means, or the protester meant, stop it. Stop any more children being killed. He was accused of being um, an accessory to genocide and a war criminal. And he was told he should be in prison. Two people were arrested. I'd love to know what for. I'd love to know what for. Earlier on in the day, on a train to Glasgow, passengers confronted him, criticising his part in the slaughter of over 7,000 Palestinian children. Yes, that's the telegraph. He took a bit of abuse. The Guardian, police are still victim-blaming in grooming gang cases. Watchdog finds. This is kind of staggering, really. This, this is an official report by Her Majesty's, Her Majesty's, do you get, yeah, His Majesty these days, Inspectorate of Constabulary and Fire and Rescue Services. So they've carried out an inquiry into how police deal with exploitation, the sexual exploitation of children. And it is found that things haven't really improved in the last decade. More than a decade after scandals in Rotherham and Rochdale have come to light, failings by authorities that left gangs of men free to attack vulnerable young girls. Yes. Now, the report found that while the situation had improved, progress was slow and warnings from other official bodies had not been heeded. Now, listen to this, dearest listener. The report by the uh, Inspectorate of Constabulary and Fire and Rescue Services dismissed claims that one ethnic group posed more of a danger to children than any other. That will prove to be controversial, particularly in what what, what we would call alt-right circles. It dismissed claims that one ethnic group posed more of a danger to children than any other. Now, what's interesting about that for me is the wonderful woman that is Marilyn Hawes, a frequent visitor to the Richie Allen Show, a former teacher whose own children were abused. Marilyn works tirelessly these days to to teach, to train schools, teachers, parents and children how to be aware of grooming without terrorising them. She's very good at doing that, is Marilyn. Marilyn pointed out to me many a time that you are, if you are a victim of child, sorry, children who are the victims of abuse, more often than not, they know their abuser. So it happens within the family or with a close friend or a contact of the family. So that's important, right? So I get that, right? Okay. But if you're talking about 
grooming gangs. It's got to be said that British Pakistanis are more likely to be in a grooming gang, you know, where people are cooperating in the abuse of children and the exploitation of children. Um, yeah, British Pakistanis are more likely to be engaged in that sort of behaviour than any other group, as far as I understand it. So that's interesting. They they said that in the report, but it's a terrible report. They go on to say that um, an accurate view of group-based child sexual exploitation still isn't available to the police service. Data collection is unreliable and intelligence gathering is still not being prioritised. That is pathetic. That is pathetic. Police still victim-blaming in grooming gang cases. Watchdog fines. Right. Horrible. The Times. Counter-terror officers called in after ULES camera is blown up. What's going on? Well, we know that in London, protesters known as Blade Runners are targeting ULES cameras. I don't think I need to go into the ULES camera explanation mode. I think you know what they are. These cameras that... You know, they want... Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, said, we, we need to improve the air quality in London. So, cars which um, don't meet certain emission thresholds, cars which are maybe older than 2018 or 2016, people driving such cars are subjected to a £12 a day charge driving in London. And these ULES cameras were installed to catch these people and to punish them. And we've learned, of course, haven't we, that this is already making tens of millions of pounds for the, oh, the, the local authority in London, right? Anyway, but um, protesters, people who don't like this, and I totally understand them, they've been vandalising these cameras or they've been covering them up, making it impossible for the camera to read registration plate, licence plate numbers and whatnot. But now somebody's blown one up. It happened on Wednesday this week in Willersley Avenue in Sidcup. At quarter to seven, it's very specific, the times, a dark-coloured van and the fence of a nearby property were damaged by this improvised explosive device. The Metropolitan Police said the camera had been cut down some seven, some 90 minutes before it exploded. Nobody was injured in the blast, a homemade bomb, and no arrests have been made. Well, thank God nobody was injured. So that's an escalation, isn't it? And that's something we really can't support, really. I mean, I understand them tampering with the cameras. I'm not saying I endorse it. I'm not here to be telling people they should break the law. But I totally understand why people would want to interfere with the cameras. But interfering with them and making homemade bombs are two different things. And we certainly can't support people making bombs because eventually somebody will get killed, won't they? But anyway, the Detective Chief Superintendent Trevor Lowry who commands the Bexley area, says it's extremely concerning as that an explosive device was deliberately placed in a public place that could have resulted in members of the public being seriously injured. Yes, indeed, it could. So while the civil disobedience is something I acknowledge, and, you know, I would say, fair enough, right? I certainly will not condemn people for covering up the cameras or disabling them. Um, but the bombing, well, that's a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Let's go back to the Telegraph. We'll jump around the papers. This is the papers, by the way. My name is Richie Allen. Friday the 8th of December 2023. Right now it's 6.55 in the AM as I do this. Letting you know that. Because you never know what's going to happen in the news after I publish this. How did he miss that? 
that I'm up bright and early, you see. I'm doing it. For, I get up for you. I do it for you. Listen, this made me laugh. And it also made me wonder about why I laughed. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't laugh. You can have a good go at me. If you want, I don't mind. Um, Gerard Depardieu made sexual comments about 10-year-old girl documentary shows. Now, that's very sinister. Nobody should be, should be making comments about girls 10 years of age or otherwise. So what's going on? Let's read the story. Some of it did make me belly laugh. Um, Gerard Depardieu, the French actor, made sexual comments about a 10-year-old girl and groped his interpreter's bottom while visiting North Korea, damning new documentary footage shows. The documentary is entitled Gerard Depardieu, The Fall of the Ogre, and it shows 74-year-old Gerard making a torrent of misogynistic remarks and seemingly unwelcome sexual advances during his 2018 tour of the reclusive state. The documentary will air tonight on French television on Complement d'Enquête, the weekly investigative programme on France 2, France 2. Uh, the British equivalent, by the way, is BBC One. So Complement d'Enquête is a programme, an investigative programme, and it's going to bring down Gérard Depardieu tonight. It opens with the star who is facing rape and sexual assault charges in France, ogling a woman and exclaiming, Ouh la la, très belle. It's more than an hour long, the film. It shows a seemingly inebriated Depardieu uttering a litany of explicit remarks to his own amusement. That's the bit that gave me belly laughs, because he's a bit of a pisshead, and he once argued with a flight attendant on a plane which was stranded on a runway, in a queue, waiting to taxi, for takeoff, there was no sign of the plane taking off. He'd had a few whiskies in the departure lounge, and he wanted to use the toilet. They said you can't; you must stay in your seat. And he got up and he urinated on the carpet right in the aisle of the airplane. <laughs> so it seems like he's generally pissed, and when he's pissed, he doesn't have a filter. At one point in the documentary, Depardieu is seen visiting a horse riding centre where a 10-year-old girl is practising, and this explains the sexual comments. While she's trotting around the enclosure on the pony, he makes a series of lewd remarks saying that women get sexual pleasure out of riding horses and calling them sluts. <laughs> Pissed up, right? I don't find that funny, him calling women sluts. I find the whole situation preposterous and farcical. He's a pisshead. He's in North Korea. He's not making sexual comments about a 10-year-old at all. He's making a remark about women on horseback. And then he says to the interpreter, why don't you get on a horse? It does you good, you know. Generally, women who ride, like a lot of other things, there's a life in it, he says. So the female interpreter comes in for particularly egregious treatment throughout the visit, according to the Telegraph. He said, pretty little darling, I'm in great shape. He isn't, he isn't, by the way. I slept a lot. If you only knew the dreams I've had, I know you like the back of my hand. You're going to take a nice shower and think of me. <laughs> and in another scene, he's weighed himself and the scale says his weight and he reads it. He says 124 kilos and right now I'm not erect. Erect, I'm 126. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
Oh, you're you perdu. This amuses me because my better half loves the man. Absolutely loves him. Loves his films. Loves when he's being interviewed. He's considered a great character. But um, they're bringing him down in France, apparently. The Mirror, speaking of sexism and misogyny, former Manchester City player Joey Barton, recently managing Bristol City or Rovers, I can't remember. Uh, Barton has been in the middle of a social media storm because he claimed that women really shouldn't be given their opinion on men's football, on men's football in 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 the coverage of men's football on Sky Sports and, and, and other channels, right? We shouldn't have women pundits doing men's football, basically, said Joey Barton, kicked off a media storm. Women shouldn't be talking with any kind of authority on the men's game, he said at the time. Come on, let's be serious. It's a completely different game, blah, blah, blah. He was uh, sacked by Bristol Rovers, that's right. He compared women commenting on men's football to him analysing knitting or netball, and he said that the men who support women's punditry are eunuchs, males who have been castrated. There was a lot of uh, media coverage of this in the last day and a half. And then he went on to say, to try and qualify his remarks, and he, he does have a little bit of a point here. He says, I'm against tokenism and poor journalistic standards, especially when it comes to football. I know it's everyone's game, but there's different variants with the men's and women's game. And all of a sudden, if you speak out in favour of saying a men's game, I've been accused of being right-wing just for saying what a lot are thinking about journalistic standards. You should be there on merit, not to fit this woke agenda. Now, he's got a point there. When we started seeing people like Alex Scott in the studio as a pundit on the men's game, it was tokenism because Alex was particularly useless and I would argue, is still to this day particularly useless. She's not cut out for broadcasting Alex Scott, and yet the BBC have promoted this woman at the speed of light to the very top of sports presentation. They even gave her gigs in the Olympics, right? Olympic, they gave her the anchor's chair in the Olympics, and she isn't very good. She's not very articulate or knowledgeable. It's obvious. However, there is a woman that Sky Sports uses quite regularly called Karen Carney, who also played top-level women's football. And Karen is quite the opposite. She's very good, very listenable, and I would say is there on merit. So Barton's got a point up to a point. I, I, I would wonder what great broadcasters, like like uh, Sue Barker, for example, um, uh, Gabby Logan, formerly Gabby Yorath, of course, Terry Yorath's daughter, brilliant broadcasters, who had to work their way up. I wonder what they think about this fast-tracking women into major positions in broadcasting. Some of them who are just not up to it. So he's got an interesting point there, but um, the idea that women shouldn't be there commenting on the men's game, I think is bollocks, to be honest. And I'm not trying to curry favour with my female listeners at all. It's been my position, well, forever and a day. The son wants you to be scared, be afraid, be afraid, be very afraid. New highly transmissible COVID variant JN.1 could trigger fresh wave of cases and hit already packed hospitals. Yawn, yawn, yawn. A new COVID variant could be about to hit hospitals that are already filling up with flu, coughs and colds after the frosty spell. 
Medics fear sickness is spreading fast with the busy Christmas season and ill-timed doctor strikes just around the corner. A new strain of coronavirus called JN.1 is being tracked by the UK Health Security Agency. Fucking hate that to you. Security Agency, how horribly dystopian. Megan Call, a scientist with the UK Health Security Agency, said we're tracking JN.1. Most likely, we, we, we will now add variant pressures to the forecast of a winter COVID-19 wave. What they never tell you, of course, in these articles, when they talk about pressures, they never tell you that since 1989, the amount of hospital beds in the UK has halved. Yes, today there are only half the amount of beds that were available back in 1989, and in that time the population of this country increased by nearly 8 million people. Isn't that just ludicrous? But it's true. Don't believe them with their scary stories and all of that bullshit. I wouldn't be surprised if they... I mean, some hospitals have already said that you've got to wear a mask coming in. I wouldn't be surprised if um, that becomes a nationwide thing. I don't mean in public now or in indoor areas, but I mean in hospitals. I think hospitals might insist on masks. All of that shit is not really going away. And we're going to finish with The Times. This is interesting. A cup of cocoa could help guard against dementia. Uh, a team in the United States found that over 65, uh, over 65 who so took daily cocoa extract supplements performed better in tests of stinking ability. But interestingly, only if they had previously had a lower quality diet. So if you're over 65 and you've not been eating very well, for your adult life. Cocoa supplements or a cup of hot cocoa will help you perform better in terms of your thinking ability and might stave off the old dementia. That's a little bit of an interesting health story in the Times today. Well, that's it for the papers for Friday the 8th of December 2023. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I will be back on air in a live capacity on Sunday morning, this coming Sunday, the 10th of December, at 10 o'clock UK time with Sunday Morning Melodies, where you'll hear very little news and you'll hear some interesting, well, not so, you'll hear some lovely music and some lovely chat. So all I can do now is wish you a fantastic weekend. Have yourself a great weekend. Look after yourselves and one another. And thank you for sharing this podcast with others. Please do. You and me will speak then on Sunday, hopefully. And the Richie Allen Show will be back Monday at 4 o'clock UK time. That's this coming Monday. Bye.